Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential podcast where we talk to leaders from around the world to inspire and to ignite your potential. If there's a positive change that you've been wanting to make and you know that making this change will have amazing benefits for you, but then every time you try to make this change happen, you fail or it's not sustainable. Well, this is exactly what I'm going to be talking about in my masterclass on rethink leadership and achieve success with harmony. Because once you know what really drives you, you won't struggle as much and your potential will simply skyrocket. And this is exactly what I want to help you with. So subscribe to our upcoming masterclasses by heading over to www.meetmypotential.com slash webinar. I'll repeat that. That's www meetmypotential.com slash webinar. This is part one of a two-part series with Mark Metry. Mark Metry hosts one of the top 100 podcasts called Humans 2.0. From a person who suffered social anxiety, he's been featured on Forbes as a keynote speaker, on TEDx, on Huffington Post, and his shows have had more than 50 million downloads, exactly. And he is the author of the book, Screw Being Shy. So if you want to learn how to manage social anxiety and be with yourself in front of anyone, then that's the book to read. Hello and welcome, Mark, to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing great, uh, seriously and authentically. I'm doing well today. And um, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show. And today I want to talk about what kind of internal and external validations do we actually look for or not look for? And how should that actually be? So what's your take on that? When I think back like earlier in my life, you know, I look towards the things that, you know, gave me a sense of, uh, of I was doing something good. You know, when I was a kid, that was probably like eating food and playing video games you know, growing up for me, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't good at school. I got pretty bad grades. I wasn't an athlete. Uh, I, I had social anxiety. And so I didn't really have any friends. I wasn't a social butterfly. I wasn't artistic. I wasn't creative. I wasn't, you know, I didn't fit in any like these classic uh, click groups. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the way that I got validation was by going on the internet. And this was like, this was earlier days online, you know, kind of like before social media was like super well established. Um, And I just like remember going on the internet and just starting different things, starting things from different websites to like, I learned how to code apps to like starting like all like these little kind of like weird ventures. And I remember that for me was, you know, as some of those things that I did, as some of them began to get successful, Mm-hmm. whether that was like numbers wise or just people start to maybe respect me in a certain kind of light. That's really where, you know, it sort of became a coping mechanism of just start, you know, wanting to start things and be successful at them. And so I think for me is just that, you know, that's progressed all throughout my life, very much still continues to happen today. And so I always try to sort of balance that out. I always try to, you know, come to the realization that I, I need some external validation, uh, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't rely on it for my sense of self-esteem. 
And so, yeah, I mean, it's a very complicated conversation, but generally speaking, that's the way that I kind of, I kind of think about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it just totally makes sense. I think as children, and I remember I was an extremely shy girl when I was, and no one will agree with that when they see me now because I talk a lot and I'm a coach and a speaker. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then if you go back and ask my parents, they will say, I don't know if she had a problem speaking because she never used to speak. So I was in this more <laughs> observation and a shy yeah. person. I used to always hide behind my mother. Today, that's totally changed. But I do know that my sense of validation of who am I came from how do I think and how do I actually bring results on the table? And so the more I am successful, the more I know that I actually belong. And so my sense of worth, self-worth and belonging came from the results that I achieved. And that came mm. from people applauding and saying, Hey, you did a good job. Hey, that was great. Hey, you, that, that's not bad. You, you got a, you know, you got good grades in maths, but seeking that external validation through any means of either making people happy or like trying to get your results or whatever, it has its own limits. Yeah. I mean, it totally has its own limits. And, and like the reality is, is that like the reality is, is that what I've learned in life is just like, you could literally have like, the most amazing success ever, mm -hmm. but it's just not meaningful. I mean, of course things are meaningful, but it's like, um, you know, there's this goal cast video and I think it's called 15 seconds or something like that. And it basically talks about how, like when you achieve a goal, when you achieve some sort of success, there's like that 15 seconds of where your, your heart beats. You're like, Oh my God, I, you know, I put in so much work and I did this. But then there's that 16 second, that 16 mm -hmm. second where you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, that, that was cool. <laughs> and so I think for me, you know, this, this mission that I have been on for the last four or five years has really just been about, you know, how do I understand life? How do I put myself, how do I put my mind, body, spirit, emotions, mental faculties, my psychology in a place where... I'm experiencing, you know, a long-term sense of uh, of growth. And of course, there's ups and downs. You know, growth is cyclical. Uh, it's all part of the process. But I just think, like, that's a game that you can never win at. And, and that's a game that I have seen, you know, people, my friends of mine who are way smarter than me, who have way more money than me, who are way more well-known mm -hmm. than me, who have way more followers, credibility, respect, whatever – just like be engaged on this game as if it's just like a treadmill. It's a treadmill that, that you just, you don't really get anywhere. You just sort of run it by yourself. And so <laughs> that's something that I'm wary of. And then, you know, like for me, I was suicidal when I was like 18. And so I feel like that's the way I was living my life. You know, I've been given a second chance to, to kind of uh, live my life the way I want to. And there's, you know, this pattern of mine definitely still exists but it just comes out in other ways, you know? And so it, it becomes tricky at times with your ego trying to shape shift and trying to uh, sort of like change, change the problem and how you view it so that you think it's a different problem when in reality, it's the same problem. I don't know if that made sense. Yes, it, it does. Can you give an example? <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, when you were asking me this before we started the podcast, I said this because, so at the end of July, beginning of August of like this year, it's like a month or two ago, 
I uh, I launched a new business and it's called Growcast. And basically mm-hmm. it's just like a podcast network. I made it so people can learn how to start podcasts. Uh, podcasters can can grow and and monetize their shows and uh, and and you know do do all these different things. And so the biggest thing that I sort of experienced at that time was really weird. So it was the day that I was launching my business, and you know of course there were some there were some great things that were happening. There were some not so great things. Overall, nothing terrible. But for whatever reason, I just felt honestly just like so depressed and so anxious. And I had no idea why. And I remember I just like ended up sitting with myself and just like kind of feeling helpless. And I remember meeting up with a friend of mine later that day. We, we meet and, you know, basically this is, this is my girlfriend. She, she gives me a massage. She's giving me this massage and, and, she, and she's like, hey, I'm going to put on like this music thing in the background. And so she puts on this music track in the background. And at first when I hear it, I'm like, man, this is some, this is like some super <laughs> woo-woo, like kind of weird <laughs> meditation music. Uh, and I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was like, it was like, let go, uh, step into the flow, something like that. It was just like two or three lines that were just said again and again and again and again with like this musical, like, like gamma, theta, like alpha music <laughs> kind of style. And so she plays that and uh, I'm just like sitting there, I'm getting this massage and I think like 10, 15 minutes pass by, you know, next thing I know, it feels like I just, I feel like an intense burst of emotions where things just start to get heavier. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm like listening to this music that's telling me to like, you know, not, not try to control myself, let go of control, step into the flow. I, I guess I tried to do that consciously, unconsciously. And next thing I know, it kind of feels like I have like this weird out of body experience where all of a sudden I'm just like warped back to how I felt and how I imagined myself as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I just like remember sitting like sitting in some classroom by myself as a kid in a moment where, you know, I consider it, you know, one of my traumatic moments that, that happened to me early on that set the stage for my psychology where I kind of like went back to one of those moments. And I, I've been back there before, mm-hmm. but I got a different takeaway from it this time. And the different takeaway was when I was a kid, I was growing up and I was facing these problems that I didn't know how to solve. I, I realized that nobody was there to help me in my life. Nobody. And it was a, a spot where I was like, man, I have to help myself and I have to control my life. I have to sort of control myself. And it was almost this time where this, this traumatic moment happened and I just sort of put on this mask of control. And like, for example, you know, I, I wrote the book, Screw Being Shy. I talk about social anxiety. When you look at social anxiety, for example, that is you trying to control everything about a social interaction. You want it to happen in, inside of your head and you want to control life without letting things be. And so all of a sudden, I just like realized that. And I realized that even to this day, I've still had this mask of, of control and not so much letting go in my life. And I sort of get up like after from this massage and I'm still kind of in this state. And then next thing I know, I literally just start shedding tears, crying like a baby, just like bawling, like hardcore tears. 
and just like just like literally collapsing. And I don't remember the last time I did that, except maybe since 2017. And while I was like kind of feeling these intense bursts of emotions, mm-hmm. I was just sort of beginning to realize this cycle of like, okay, Mark, you felt this way your entire life. And yet you are like trying to launch these things. You're trying to launch these businesses as a way for you to, you know, you say you're changing the world. You say you're trying to step into your purpose. But when in reality, maybe you are just just trying to validate yourself. Maybe you are just sort of using that external validation. And like when I launched my company, Growcast, I felt like there was a certain part of me that had a certain expectation of like, oh yeah, you know, when you start this, your life's going to change, bro. And you're going to be so much better. And and then people (laughs) are going to think you're, you know what I mean? And so I think I was just caught up in that cycle. And I had, I had like, I had like in my mind, in my rational mind, I had understood this from a while ago, but I think, I think like when I just experienced that a couple months ago and I kind of had that experience of me kind of like having like this weird emotional out of body experience where I just start crying. I think that's where I just like started to shed uh, some of that and some of like my expectations of that within the way that my brain works. And so, so yeah, I mean that, that to me comes to mind as an example that recently happened. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. There's so many things that come to me as I hear that the number one is in our childhood, when things happen, we find mechanisms to numb the pain. We find we put mm. like band-aids and patchworks uh, to actually survive that stage of life. And as we grow up, we we call these things masks right now, but it's like these mm. mental makeups, right? It's like my mental makeup is not to ever cry and show because if I cry, then I'm weak and I'm vulnerable. And if I cry and I and I find myself weak and vulnerable as a child, then who will save me and, you know, who will take care of me? And so I have all these mechanisms that have been put up. But realizing that and letting go and allowing yourself to cry as a man, as a grown-up, that's Mm. not easy. That's courage, actually, for me. Because when Mm. you go down that path, then you find something precious. And that's the precious thing that you just found. And you just said, life is a treadmill. It's not just the goal out there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, there are cycles and I'm going to get past this and I'm going to achieve it. And then there's going to be a next thing. And then there's going to be a next thing. But knowing that it's that 16th second is going to happen and that this is a journey and how am I going to live that journey? And that's what matters most. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think for me, it's just like, I think human consciousness is so vast that, you know, we just, we forget a lot of these things. You know, for me, I think one of the big things that I go back to is just like, um, wait, before I say that, I want to address what you said about crying. I totally agree with you. And like, for example, I try to cry. Okay. I don't know if I try to, but, or I said as an intention, but I feel like I cry probably like once a week now. And there's certain spaces where, I, you know, I've taught myself it's it's safe, it's okay to do that. And like, for example, like I'm in this, um, you know, I have like a couple of my friends that I meet up with every week, and we kind of mastermind together. You know, these people are they're they're older than me. They're like thirty year old guys. We do all kinds of things. We do breath work. We do all sorts of stuff. You know, honestly, at least uh, usually at least one of us cries, if if not more. <laughs> and so I think. Society absolutely sort of needs to have more places where people can be themselves and and, and cry and, and learn that crying is not a bad thing, you know, especially, you know, for example, like, you know, a lot of us, a lot of guys in general were taught this, but especially I think, 
in, um, you know, like my parents and I'm from Egypt. And so I think Middle Eastern culture, I think different places in Asia. And I think, you know, just like looking at it and looking at my data, they're just, they're more repressive. They're more not tolerant of these things, but every culture Mm -hmm. has its issues. And so I think absolutely there needs to be a spot where just for the sake of this example, like people like myself, like young guys from the Middle East who have been taught to just suppress your emotions, be a man. If you cry, then nobody likes you or you're not a man or you're a failure or something like that. And so that's one of the biggest things that that I've truly learned. And the second thing that I was going to say is um, I think truly it's about just like redefining the expectation of, of, uh, of like f- being, feeling fulfilled or feeling happiness. And so personally for me, I've learned that like when people say, I just want to be happy, mm-hmm. I've learned that like, hey, happiness is a very transient, temporary neurochemical state. And so I've learned that I'm just not going to sort of become obsessed with that because I know if I want, if I became obsessed with that and that's all I want, you could just, you could just do that through junk food. You could just do that through drugs. You could just do that through sex. And so I know that there's sort of a much deeper sense of, of fulfillment and and meaning that is worth living life. And, And that sense of meaning and fulfillment comes when you almost like look at your life from like a different perspective, almost like you're looking at like a very beautiful painting. Mm-hmm. And it's like this beautiful painting of like all these different colors and all these different textures and highs and lows and light and dark colors. And so I think that's that's like truly what, what life is. It's, it's being able to take a, a perspective that's different from the perspective that your brain wants you to believe and just see the fact that like, you know, if it wasn't for the moments of extreme sadness, you wouldn't have moments of extreme happiness. If it wasn't for those moments where you felt like nobody was with you, you wouldn't have moments of 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 deep connection with other people. And so that's just what I've learned. And sometimes it can be easy to forget that. And so I think it's just like part of it is just setting up like the right reminders, the right triggers in a good way to get yourself to just like keep that in mind because the human mind is so transient. You know, even if you've been working on yourself for so many different years, you know, the average person has 60,000 thoughts a day. And so when you're talking about that level of volume, it's it's very easy to 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 forget things. It's very easy to to forget and that's that's the true nature of what it means to be a human being and it's it's a beautiful yet it's a painful experience at the same time. So I think that's the way that I just sort of rationalize this in my head for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's extremely, I don't know if it's rational, but there's so much depth to it because there are two sides to the coin. If happiness is one side of the coin, then there is pain and sadness on the other side. So if you want to feel happiness, you need to feel the pain. If you want to mm. feel the joy, you need to feel the sadness. And we don't allow ourselves to feel sad. We have so many numbing techniques today. You know, we get on the phone, we go onto social media, we go get a drink or we just get out and we just numb that pain to not feel it. And like you said, if I don't feel lonely, how can I feel that extreme deep companionship or connection? How do I do that? So how do we actually allow ourselves or give ourselves the permission to actually feel sad? Because I just coached someone today and this person Mm. said to me, you know, things are crashing. And this person said, well, it's not so bad. 
you know, that thought that it's not so bad is itself a numbing technique. Like, it's not so bad. Let's move on. Let's get positive. Mm. But if you don't see how things are crashing in your company, then how are you going to take it forward? So what advice yeah. would you give to someone who is, you know, to actually allow themselves to feel sad? Because like, we, we are not feeling invited to feel sad <laughs> or be upset or grieve over things. Yeah. So I think it's not overlooking the small things. And what I mean by that is this, like, I'm sure that if I, if I didn't like meditate every single day, I'm sure that my consciousness would not have the awareness to be able to tell me that it's okay to cry. If I didn't eat healthy every day, I don't think my brain would be in a, in a healthy, not inflamed uh, perspective to be able to, to let myself go rather than try to control, control everything. And so I think the biggest thing is just like not overlooking the small things. And honestly, the more and more that I do these podcasts, the more and more I read all these books, <laughs> the more and more I, I do, I, I like I'm so deep in this world, the more I realize it, it truly is about the most basic things. It's literally about the way that you breathe. It's about the way that, you know, what is your diet consist of both literally is in like what food and drink are you putting in your mouth? And then also what are you, what are you consuming? What's your information diet? It's like, how well are you sleeping at night? It's, uh, it's, are you exercising? It's, you know, do you feel like you're in a spot where you uh, can belong somewhere? You're not just some outsider. And so at a very basic level, I think it's that. And the reason why I say that is because I will get in this game <laughs> where my brain tries to like, like convince me. And it's like, Oh my God, Mark, your, your brain, oh my, like your life sucks, bro. Like you're so depressed or whatever, this and that. And then I'm like falling down the spiral. And then I look back and I'm like, oh crap, I never ate breakfast today. <laughs> or wait, oh wait, no, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't, I only slept for six hours last night, for example. I think a lot of times we try to complicate things. So I think the most easiest thing is like literally just go back to basics. Look at your food, look at your movement, look at your sleep. Look at your stress, look at your meditation, look at your breath. And I think if you are able to do those things at a very basic level well, then that will create the, the psychological framework for you to do that. And then the second thing is, is this, right? So two really interesting things happened to me last year in about September. One was I became an uncle for the first time. My sister mm -hmm. gave birth to a niece. The second thing was I got a girlfriend. Those two things I genuinely believe uh, opened my heart, opened my level of me being intimate to a level where I just didn't know it existed. I thought I knew what love was when in reality I, I didn't. I never actually felt it or in very, very rare moments throughout my life. And so I think if I had never been able to do that, then I wouldn't be able to cry. And so I think one of the biggest keys, like looking back to this is like, how do you open your heart? I think it's, mm -hmm. it's not trying to use logic to substitute with emotions. And so you hear it all the time, like on LinkedIn or on Instagram, it's like, Hey, you got to be rational. You got to be logical when you're emotional. And of course there is a right time and a right place to do that. You know, like if you're in a meeting and someone says something that triggers you, you know, don't, don't like scream at them, you know, do, do things like that. That's, that's where like these quotes and like these common sayings come from. Mm -hmm. But I think it is, it is extremely dangerous. Maybe like as a guy where I think men are more 
we are more sort of thinking and logically dominant over our feeling and emotions where, I don't know, maybe females are in the opposite way, just from my experience and the people I've talked to. And so I think like for guys, I think we have a tendency to just try to compartmentalize our emotions and break them down into rational sort of logical thoughts. And honestly, that's a very, very sad way to live life because that's like, that's like living your life in black and white. And yeah, of course, like maybe black and white maybe makes you more productive, maybe makes you more efficient. But the reality is, is like if your life is not colorful, if you don't have a balance of sort of have like an emotional well-being, you're you're sort of in a place where you haven't totally masked and shut down your heart, then, you know, I think you need to be able to step into your emotions a little bit. I think you need to be able to, you know, from my perspective, like if, for example, if you read my book, I don't know if you've read it or not, but screw being shy, social anxiety. It's like literally like, hey, if you have, if you have social anxiety, think this and then think that and then think this and then think that and then do this and then follow this step and then do that. And I think that that is right when it comes to you know certain problems like regarding social anxiety that we may have. But the ability to like let yourself feel something that may not be that great and then making like a, a decision, like a, a gut instinct decision off that, which is largely your emotions, I think that's super powerful. And I, I've seen so often where, you know, sort of super sort of like super high performing, usually like younger guys are just in the spot where they have they have locked their heart. They have surrounded that guy with with an iceberg. And they then their brain though is 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 on is going. It's going and going and going. <laughs> and I think that someone needs an experience, someone needs to meet a person, someone needs to uh, you know, maybe it's reading a book, maybe talking with someone that truly gives you an experience where you're like, man, I gotta thaw this thing open. I gotta create a connection between my brain and my heart. Because if my brain, it, which is like the thinking logical, if that's too powerful but my heart isn't even there, I will literally be so successful, but I will not feel it. And I will not even be happy. And I won't even be able to share it with the people I love. Whereas, for example, um, you know, a lot of people, not just girls, guys and girls, uh, whereas, for example, like maybe their heart is the dominant one, where maybe all they do is feel their feelings and 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 all they do is just drown in their emotions all day. Where maybe they 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 need to maybe unlock their brains a little bit and kind of use that rational thinking skill to be able to make decisions and to be able to navigate their life in a way that can make them successful and productive. And so I think it's a balance depending on the person, but I think like unlocking your heart, trying to thaw your heart open through, you know, multiple various means can be, you know, very, very great to just sort of, you know, establish like a a real synergistic sort of uh, connection between your heart and uh, your mind. What's that word? It's like symbiotic. Yeah, I think you need to have like a There's, symbiotic yeah. relationship. It's with a heart, your heart mind. And your mind. Are you making a heart mind decision? That's what I would ask. Like, it, you know, is it just driven by your mind, or by your rational? And a lot of times, yes, it's true in organizations. Yes, it's true in the business world. Like when there's a crisis, right? And we need to act, mm. then we need to get our logical and our rational brains out. Because yes. if we're just lost in the emotional, then we can't handle the crisis and we can't go through the tough times. But the thing is like there's success and there's more success 
But if you don't feel those emotions of being successful, where's the joy in that success? And you rightly said something, and I really want to emphasize on that because this is something really big, not overlooking the small things. Like, Mm. I think that's the biggest step, not overlooking the small things. Like when you start looking at the smaller things, and I just want to repeat this for my audience, because I think there's there's a gold mine here yeah. for people. And Mark just said it very, very quickly. Like you know, <laughs> there's so much wealth of uh, information and knowledge that's coming up here. So, you know, not overlooking the small things in terms of how you sleep, how you move. You spoke about movement, Mark, like, yeah. you know, you lock your house door. And you forget to take your badge to work or uh, you get into the car and you realize that, oh, my God, I didn't switch off the lights at home. Like those are signals of you not being aware. And those movements stop and analyze and look at those movements, because that's, again, a signal that I'm not feeling into what's happening. And if I'm not feeling into what's happening, then I can't you know, dwell into my emotions. Am I aware of all those things? So, you know, you rightly said that. And of course, meditation makes us more conscious of, you know, every single thought that we have and how we feel things and being present is so important because I think the world is becoming very, very future focused. Like it's a very fast paced world and we're focusing on planning for the future, setting up the vision, setting up the purpose and organizing everything that yes, we do forget that there's something that's happening in the present moment. I hope you like this episode. Do give us a feedback on iTunes and Mark and I will continue the conversation next week. And until then, stay cool.